Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. It's good to be in the house of God and hear the Word of God preached, sing the praises of God. For an opening introduction here, I'd like for you to turn with me to Psalm 89. I'd like to read several verses there. Psalm 89, verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty shall be, can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? We'll stop reading there. The message on my heart this morning is on the faithfulness of God. Now, I don't know if you recall a week ago in the opening message, um, Brother Andrew made a comment, and I probably can't quote it exactly, but made mention that we should be hearing messages about the attributes of God. Well, that really set my mind to turning. And it is true that we should often reflect upon the attributes of God. And that is what I want to do this morning. And the one, I don't know, when you think of the attributes of God... Which one comes first in your mind? Well, I don't know why this one came first to mind, but it was the one that first came to mind. And it's not that it's greater or more important than the others. But I would like to speak about the faithfulness of God. In this passage we just read says that with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. And he goes further, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. 
Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Why is it important to consider the attributes of God? And I'm I'm thinking in the context of what kind of messages we should preach. There are messages of exhortation and, and instruction. And there are messages on the praise of God and all of our responsibility as believers. There's many, many things one could preach about. But when I think about the attributes of God, I would liken that to the foundational stones, some of the essentials out of which flow our life and actions. Uh, For a bit of emphasis on that, let's look at several passages. First one is in Acts chapter uh, 17. In Acts 17 we have Paul in Athens... And he was preaching to the ungodly, the heathen, that knew not God. For he says this in verse 23, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of you. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Forasmuch then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art and men's device, And the times of this ignorant God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So in this context... Paul was preaching unto them this God, the creator that made the heavens and the earth. And he says in verse 27 that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. For in him we live and move and have our being. And if that's true of all mankind, that includes us, and not only in the general sense of creation, but also in the specific sense of being God's children, we should seek to know God. And the second passage I'd like for you to turn to is in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. 
and verse 17. Paul is writing, preaching as it were to the believers here in verse 17, Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Paul's prayer was that they might be filled with the knowledge that their eyes might be un, uh, might uh, eyes of understanding being enlightened, and so when we consider the attributes of God, it brings light to us. It brings light to our understanding, and we. Learn to know God. All of revelation of God is given to us and it's meant for our edification, our instruction, and in turning our hearts toward God. The very fact that God's attributes are made known unto us are evidence of His care and His desire. For us. So I'd like to speak about God's faithfulness. In Deuteronomy verse, or chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So this was the words of Moses as directed by God. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. So one of the attributes of God is his faithfulness. Now I should mention in this revelation here, even in Deuteronomy, about God, He is God, the faithful God. When we look at one aspect of God's attributes or of His character, we call them attributes, plural. They are different parts of His character. We have to understand that all of the attributes of God are in unity and in harmony with each other. And they really can't be separated, the one from the other, in the sense that they all stand alone. But we can look at them and consider them 
as various parts of this whole. And it helps us to, as we say, get a fuller picture of who God is. Now, even though we are exhorted to seek after God, to understand Him, and the very totality of revelation about God is meant to instruct us, we also have to admit that it is, we will never reach the end of understanding God. Even if we were to focus on this one part of faithfulness, we can never see the depth and extent of it all. His power, another attribute of His, is beyond our understanding. Now, when I say beyond, I'm talking about the limits and the breadth and the length and the depth of it. Is It goes beyond the boundaries of our understanding. Psalm 36, verse 5, he says, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. That expression, reacheth unto the clouds, is a bit of a figure of speech, meaning that as we think and look up in the heavens and see the clouds, where is the extent and the breadth and the depth and the limits of the clouds? It it goes beyond what we can grasp a hold of or fathom. That's, That's the concept there that thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. And it's in connection with his mercy there. uh, Again, we mentioned that his attributes all work together harmoniously. They are not uh, as separate parts. They are a whole. In Psalm 119, verse 90, it says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. So if we were to define faithfulness, there are various meanings of this word. Uh, One of the meanings is that of truth. And it is in the Hebrew... The Old Testament there where the word faithfulness is used, there are some times where that same Hebrew word is translated truth. Uh, His truth is made known unto man. His truth stands forever. And so there is a close connection with truth and faithfulness. Faithfulness also means trustworthy. It is something that is true, it's verified, it's it's a surety. Faithfulness also has to do with action, uh, being consistent and trustworthy. If a man is faithful, this is speaking of men, they are considered trustworthy. 
If we were to reflect for a moment on the opposite of faithfulness, unfaithfulness. Well, we don't have to look very far for plenty of examples of unfaithfulness. In our very nature, we tend to be unfaithful in our natural man. And as we think about what God has bestowed to us, we are considered stewards, and it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. When one is faithful, they are also trustworthy. And so, God cannot be unfaithful. It is an opposite. They cannot both exist. Now, it's a little hard for us to grasp because of our very um, tendency toward unfaithfulness. But God is always faithful. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. It never faileth. He cannot do otherwise. God is faithful. Now, just to use a little natural example of faithfulness, we sometimes use the expression that if if somebody is very faithful in being punctual and you can always depend on him or... A certain action repeats itself with regularity. We say you can even set your clock or your watch by whatever your example is. It is so consistent that you can set your watch. Well, what is a watch? A watch is that tool that measures the passing of time. And a watch, by its very nature, cannot always be depended upon unless it is adjusted and measured against the true standard. uh, I recall the story of a man who went to Japan, traveled there and observed their culture, crossed the country on trains, public transportation, and was quite impressed with the punctuality of their train system. And he said, for example, the Japanese and their train system are very um, very determined to make their trains operate on time. So much so that on one occasion, He said there was a train that departed from the station 35 seconds late. And it almost made a national scandal. The conductor or the the engineer who was responsible for that train had to issue a public apology for being 35 seconds late. It was not to be tolerated. And it was not to happen again. And whatever else. They insist on punctuality. Well, that's somewhat impressive. But punctuality depends on a higher standard than even our watch. And if you think about it, our very measurement of time depends on God's 
faithfulness. God, who created the world, set in motion the sun, the moon, and the stars, which are the measurements of times and seasons. And men, by searching it out, have discovered that even at the most minute and atomic level, there are certain repeating patterns that are very consistent because of God's faithfulness, such that the clearest and most accurate measurement that men can devise is based on the movement of certain atoms in a substance, and hence we have the term an atomic clock, because they measure it by a certain repeating pattern of atoms. But who controls that? And who set that clock? It was God, because of his faithfulness. Now, the faithfulness of God, as I said before, exceeds even the depth of our intellect And an illustration of that would be the sun that shineth in its strength. And if you study it being some, think around 93 million miles away, many, many times larger than the earth, but we understand it to be an orb of tremendous power and fire that radiates its strength in all directions. And the earth being these 93 million miles away, just a very speck in the distance, receives only a minute portion of that which the sun pours forth. And yet, it is that very uh, stream of energy that gives so much to the earth. In fact, sustains life on the earth by God's design, and yet it's such a small fraction of that energy that is continually pouring forth from the sun. That would be a bit of an example of trying to understand the depth of all of God's attributes. It is more than can be fathomed. And God's faithfulness is right there with these attributes that cannot be uh, discovered in their fullness. Well, I have three areas of God's faithfulness, the evidence thereof that I would like to speak about. God's faithfulness, first of all, is displayed in his care for all creation. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 104. In Psalm 104, almost the entire psalm is speaking about God as the creator 
and describes the various things he has made. He begins by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. We'll pause there and consider that this is the God who made the earth. It says, who laid the foundations of the earth. And then it goes on to describe various parts of his creation and note down in verse um, 24. It says, O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all, the earth is full of thy riches. And then down in verse 27, These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. Now we don't find the word faithfulness here in this passage, but it is clearly described that God who made the world then displays his faithfulness by caring for it. His faithfulness is displayed through his creation. All of the earth displays his faithfulness. Creation belongs to him. He made it, therefore it belongs to him. And since it belongs to him, then God's nature of faithfulness means that he's going to care for that which belongs to him. His watchful care, as it's described here, these wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. God feeds the beast of the field, he assures that they have their sustenance. God watches over even the sparrow. The sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him seeing it and knowing it. He feeds the birds of the air. He makes the grass to grow and herbs for the service of man, as he says there in uh, verse 14. He's provided for the sustenance of all these things in his creation. And so his faithfulness in caring for this is is evidence. His power is tied in with this. God has all power. And the fact that he has all this power is coupled with his faithfulness. 
if you would consider for a moment what power, massive power, that is uncontrolled or unfaithful, that can do a lot of damage in a hurry. God's power is working in perfect harmony with his faithfulness. That power is never corrupted, the power never goes astray, never deviates from his purposes. His power is, shall we say, harnessed by his faithfulness. It's, they flow together. And because he is mighty in power, as he speaks about even the, the very stars of the heavens that were stretched out by his hand, and because he is great in power, not one of them faileth. He keeps them. They are there at his command. And as we are told in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. The second point I have for God's faithfulness and the evidence thereof is in his care for his people in particular. So while God is faithful in all of creation, he also has a special demonstration of his faithfulness in his care for his people, remembering his mercy and his promises. We looked at there at Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant. Covenant was with his people, right? Keepeth his covenant and mercy. And mercy. Now, there is a sense in which all of creation benefits and receives God's mercy. But it is also evident that he has a special portion of mercy for his people and those who trust in him. And then he goes on to say, with them, this mercy, with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And in Psalm 119, verse 138, Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteousness and very faithful. Very faithful. These commandments that he gave to be kept for a thousand generations are very righteous and very faithful. God keepeth covenant. God's faithfulness is evident for his care for his people in particular. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And if you think of the context there of Jeremiah's lamentations, he was lamenting the sad condition of the people and the sorrows and the difficulties that came upon them because of their unfaithfulness and their departing from God. And yet he takes courage and reminds them 
that it's because of his mercies that we're not consumed, his compassions fail not, great is thy faithfulness. This is repeated many times in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And again in chapter 10 verse 13 There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is what is it? Faithful. Faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Our very victory in our Christian life is dependent on God's faithfulness. Second Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So God's faithfulness is evident in his care for his people in particular. Number three, God's faithfulness is evident in his promises bringing them to pass. When God makes a promise, is he able to keep it? The answer is yes. Over and over. We are reminded and exhorted that what God has promised, he is able to do. Why? Because he has all power. And so when he makes a promise, he has the power to bring it to pass. He has the knowledge and the wisdom to know that it's going to happen and he is also faithful to make sure that it happens. And when God speaks of the promises kept, and there are many, if you read through the scripture, God made promise, he kept the promise. God made another promise and it was kept. And those are proofs of his faithfulness. For example, in Hebrews chapter 11, in that chapter of faith, we read about Sarah. Well, let's, let's turn to that. There are several places there we should note. Hebrews chapter 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength. This is verse 11, Hebrews 11, verse 11. And was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful who had promised. And I think you well know the story. She was past age. There was no earthly reason to think that she was going to have a child. But God, remember the faithful God, 
The God who is faithful. I mean, it's his very name. He's, he's faithful. And because he said it, she believed him. She judged him faithful, who had promised. And when God made a promise, he was going to keep it. Abraham was partaker of that same faith and claimed that same uh, promise. God promised that he would inherit this land. That was the promise made to Abraham. And the scripture tells us that he believed that promise even though for all of his life he lived as a stranger and a pilgrim in this promised land. But he still believed God. And these thousands of years later, I believe according to the scripture that the major fulfillment made to Abraham, he will yet see in the future. But God will not fail of his promise. He made a promise, he's going to keep it. And he promised Abraham that he would inherit the land. Even though it's very clear that he dwelt as a stranger and a pilgrim. Because he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So God's faithfulness is evident in his promises, bringing them to pass. Now, the time would fail us to list all of the promises that God made and then fulfilled. And then it would fail us to list all of the promises that he has made in the past that are yet to be fulfilled. But this we can be sure of, that every one of them will come to pass, just as he said, because he is faithful. It's so much a part of it that... Uh, Paul, in his admonition to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.13, he says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. His faithfulness is in his very character. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, I would like, first of all, for this message of considering the attribute of God's faithfulness to be like a light that shines upon our life, that illuminates to us where we are and how we walk. Because in Hebrews 11, where it tells us that without faith, and this is talking about our faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. God is looking for faith in us. He is also looking for faithful men to whom he has entrusted the gospel. It is required in 
stewards that a man be found faithful. And God has entrusted things to us and expects us to be faithful. But what is that foundation upon which we build this faith? There is a connection with our understanding of God and an understanding of His faithfulness that enables us to have faith and be faithful. And we saw that connection there, speaking of Sarah, where it says that she... judged him faithful who had promised. You see how that ties in with faith? She was able to lay hold of God's promise to live her life in faith because she knew that God was faithful. if we use the illustration of setting our clock by something that's faithful. That, that's a little the concept. She was so convinced that God would keep his word that she could set her clock by it. Or, more specifically, her faith. She could set her faith on God's faithfulness. The same is true for you. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able to bear, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God is faithful. It says, The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So we can put our trust in the Lord because he is faithful. As I mentioned before, it's a little bit hard to divide between the various attributes of God because they all tie together. One um, is closely related to the other, but I think of the, uh, the example of the children of Israel when they came to the uh, promised land. And you know how Moses sent in 12 spies to see what the land was and they came back with their report. And ten of them were discouraged, and they discouraged the people because they lost sight of the promise of God. And they saw the problem, and they trembled. But there was two that were faithful, and if we would just put it in, in a nutshell, they were convinced that but God promised. He promised that he'd bring us in. He promised that he'd give us this land. We are well able to do it because he promised. They counted him faithful who had promised. Oh, the others say, no, these giants are too big. We can't do it. And you see how that whole thing hinged on what their concept of God was and whether he would be faithful to what he had promised. 
And there's an example for us today. Will we lay hold of faith because we count God faithful? In our Bible memory, in 1 Peter, there's a passage that talks about um, those who suffer after the will of God commit the keeping of their souls as unto a faithful creator. Commit the keeping of their souls as unto a faithful creator. Let's do that all together. Let's commit the keeping of our soul to our faithful creator. May the Lord bless you with that.